When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my God, you're like that that viral video, Double Rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Double Starlink all across the sky. I mean, there's still time for you to be that guy, but for TikTok, if you post that. So oh, I should have. Just the thought. I should, I should still do it and be like, guys, yeah, what did I can. see? I'm going to lean into the clickbait. <laughs> I have no idea what I just saw. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk and rapid rabbit. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Pam, we have to start the show. We would be remiss if we did not ask, quite simply, are you a changed woman? I am. I'm a whole new me. And why is that? Because I saw Taylor Swift last Saturday, a few days ago. Honestly, it did take me like two days to recover, mostly because... It was like a whole, you know, I don't live in Santa Clara. Santa Clara is like the only Bay Area show. And from San Francisco alone, it's like an hour to get there. So it was like a whole day affair, you know. And then she plays for three and a half hours. So we didn't get back to the house we were staying at until like one o'clock in the morning. It was a long day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't even think you've posted on Instagram yet, right? I haven't. No, it's like this. A grid post must be coming. Oh, yeah. I'll post something maybe at some point. Okay. Well, we want to see your look. So new era, new Pam. I know. I know. <laughs> I have like, like, a. <laughs> unfortunately, I really hated like all of the pictures of myself that I tried to take at the concert because the lighting was so bad, you know, like that, like midday, like afternoon lighting where it's like all harsh. I've been trying to like fix my face for three days. Um, but I did take some pictures at my place before we left. So maybe I can just post the outfit on Patreon and we can call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no pressure, but like, <laughs> I'm yeah, just I know, I... no, I know people like want to see, but also like, I don't want to like post that to the main feed. We're so. also so spoiled by the high quality lighting that we have here in the millennial newsroom. I know. I was like, what are what are these shadows on my face? I know. Got to get the ring light out there. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I probably should have asked. Well, no, they were actually banned from the, um, the stadium. The stadium has like so many rules for what you can bring in and what you can't. And there was a little bit of a kerfuffle with like some stuff that people thought they were going to be allowed to bring. And then like Levi Stadium said no. And then they got a lot of backlash. And then they said, okay, fine, you can bring that. Mostly to do with like chargers and stuff like that for cell phones. Okay. I was going to say, well, it makes complete sense. How else is Live Nation going to be able to charge you for all of these things if you bring your own in. But I don't know if they sell phone chargers in the stadiums. <laughs> they don't. They I have, have seen they it have free charging posts, uh, okay. ports, which is nice. But like the issue was that they wanted any charger you brought in to be like a, a case charger. So something that was actually attached to your cell phone, which those are so 
out of style right now. Like nobody's really using those huge Mophie cases anymore. Everybody has the MagSafe chargers. And they were like, no, no, like chargers that aren't physically attached to your phone in some way that are not magnets. So, um, yeah, that was the big to do. And then I, I, like the mayor got on Twitter and was like, just kidding. You guys can bring chargers with cords. It's fine. Like, oh my gosh. All this down. drama around charging yeah. your phone. <laughs> the I know, so but nuts. yeah, it was, it was a really great time. The, the vibe at the Taylor Swift concert is like, I know this will resonate with Laura. It's like when you're at the bar and it's late and you go into the bathroom and it's just like women complimenting women and telling other women how beautiful and great they are. Like that is just the vibe, but like times 10. Yeah. Um, it's really wholesome and joyful. And yeah, it was a really, really great time. And we had so much fun. And oh, I, I guess like the last thing I'll say is that like this tour, like people have been following it know that like there's been friendship bracelet trading that's been happening. And I would recommend, you know, doing that even if you just make like 10 because it's a really nice way to connect with like strangers and to meet that new is so people. cute yeah I love that yeah they're wow. really like and, and like everybody is like making different ones and some of them are super cute and so yeah that was a lot of fun oh mm-hmm. it's really like I'm that so is like jealous. the most awesome night of the show i know <laughs> it's like summer camp but at the taylor swift concert and way more expensive <laughs> well pam is a swifty and i am a smithy I'm coining this now, and I hope it's one of the words of the year. A smithy is someone who is a huge fan of the special counsel prosecutor, Jack Smith, (laughs) who has filed federal indictments twice now against Donald J. Trump. We smithy Stan Smith's freedom boner, his extremely common name, and the fact that he always looks like he just got out of a fistfight. We're recording Tuesday night, and another federal indictment has come down. This is the January 6th indictment. In this one, there's four counts against Trump and six co-conspirators. You can guess some of the names, but Jack did not reveal uh, who exactly those are for now. Uh, The four counts are conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, and count four is conspiracy against rights. And the judge on this case, randomly assigned, by the way, it's an Obama appointee, and (laughs) she actually ruled against Trump already in 2021 when he tried to invoke executive privilege to keep his White House papers secret from the House committee investigating the events that culminated in the January 6th riot. She said in her ruling, presidents are not kings and plaintiff is not president. (laughs) Ouch. Chef's kiss. Chef's fucking kiss. This is going to be an interesting turn of events. I think for starters, Andrew, it sounds like you can no longer count on the Florida trial happening around your birthday. This will probably shift things around. Yeah, because that other indictment expanded. It got Mm -hmm. bigger, which is going to push that one. Oh, well. Yeah. Poor me. Gotta have to change your celebration plans. <laughs> the other thing that's really interesting here is, you know, there have been a lot of, I think, well-founded fears in the last several weeks of Trump potentially getting a very friendly jury in South Florida. He's not going to get a friendly jury in D.C. 
And this is a judge who has also passed down some of the harshest penalties to January 6th insurrectionists. So this is not a good moment for Trump. This is probably the worst possible landscape of proceedings that we've heard of so far. (laughs) What is Mark doing? He's bringing me a Diet Coke. (laughs) Best boyfriend. (laughs) What is she, Donald Trump? There's that video going around where he goes, bring me a Diet Coke, more Coke, please. I know, I know. (laughs) It's, It's the one thing I have in common with Trump is that I'm obsessed with Diet Coke. I need to have that soundbite on standby for any time we see Mark deliver Laura a Coke. (laughs) That would be amazing. Listen, I'm an addict, okay? (laughs) And you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, I believe It's incredible, right? Hey, bring some some Cokes in, please. No, but you're right, Laura. Uh, This judge, she's the only federal judge in D.C. who has sentenced January 6th defendants to sentences longer than the government had requested. She was like, nope, that's not good enough. You're getting put away for longer. Oh, man. Well, I hope they don't like try to they might try to get the judge changed, but hopefully that fails and she comes down hard on him. Yeah. I mean, it might at the same time he's going to have a trial in D.C., regardless of who the judge is. Uh, It was being reported earlier that he has to show up in court in D.C. on Thursday of this week. Yeah, that's soon. Yeah. Jack Smith said that he's trying to make this a, quote, speedy trial. Wow. So we'll see. Which you said about the last one, too, and that ended up being a May trial. So yeah, maybe he figures this new trial, because what that last trial, that indictment, the first one, first federal one, that was unsealed, what, a month ago? Yeah. I mean, that was already scheduled for May. So only a month has passed. Maybe this one will be scheduled for June and that date will actually stick. Hopefully. We should also coin this summer, the current summer, hot indictment summer, because the Georgia indictment appears to be imminent within the next three weeks. It's supposed to come down. Right, Laura? Our Georgia podcaster. That's right. I'm waiting anxiously. <laughs> the results um, here. But yeah, it's, again, not looking good for Trump. Um, There have been, I think, some interviews with um, one of the members of the grand jury who has zero poker face whatsoever. I don't know if y'all saw any of those, Um, but it's pretty clear that whatever is coming down in Georgia is also not going to be in his favor. So then we're looking at Georgia, Florida, Washington, D.C., and then whatever the hell ends up coming out of New York. I think we're still waiting on next steps there. But, you know, the chickens are finally coming home to roost. It took long enough. It's crazy to think that by the time 2024 comes around, we will have been dealing with Trump's political shitstorm for almost a decade because he announced his candidacy in 2015. Wow. That's like crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just like the fact that he's now been indicted so many times that it's not even surprising anymore. Like, do you all remember when we were talking about what a big deal it was going to be if he even got indicted once? Yeah. Oh, it was... 
earth shattering, the thought of that. He's setting the bar very high for what can be shocking behavior to come from a sitting or a former president. It's going to take a lot to beat this guy's record. Well, so that's basically what is going on there. But Laura, I did want to ask you, so you read the first federal indictment, right? Like you read every page. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are you going to read the second one? I actually started reading it before we got on today. I haven't finished it. Um, Essentially, I was out getting my nails done when my notifications started blowing up. And all I saw was Trump, (laughs) Trump, Trump, because I was looking on my watch. And I was like, oh, shit, is it happening again? And then I rushed home. I was supposed to go to the grocery store after that, but I rushed home and I started reading the indictment. I'm not done yet, though. Oh, man, I love it. I love the passion. Was the person at the nail salon doing your nails? Was she like, he or she like, stop, stop shaking. Why are your hands so shaky? No, you're like, another indictment's come down. (laughs) The good thing is because I have the Apple Watch, it's really easy to just kind of tilt my wrist and cheat. (laughs) Imagining you sneaking glances <laughs> as you're supposed to hold steady at your freaking wrist. Well, I was going to say, like, I'm impressed that you were even able to check your phone. My phone's always in my pocket. I got my nails done on Monday and my phone was in my pocket. So well, the fact I that have you, like, had it out. <laughs> oh, so having, having right. the watch makes it a you lot You don't take easier. it off so they can, like, moisturize your wrist? Maybe I don't go to the fanciest nail salon. <laughs> I've never been to one where they will moisturize your wrists. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just like part of the arm, right? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's a California thing. Maybe. Uh, they don't do that out so. here. Pam got her wrists moisturized recently for all those friendship bracelets she picked up at the Taylor Swift concert. I think. Yeah, I have to take care of my wrists now or I won't be able to wear them again, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of old people and, um, you know, inside the Beltway drama, let's talk about one of our favorite senators, the Senate minority leader, as he will now henceforth be known, Glitch McConnell, (laughs) had a bit of an episode when addressing the press this week. Finishing the NDA uh, this week has been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of And if you haven't seen the video by now, he just kind of zones out. He's just like staring ahead into space. And watching the people behind him is so funny because they're like, uh, <laughs> what's going on? And you hear, I don't know how well it's coming across in the audio here, but you hear some of his aides asking, are you OK? Do you want to leave? Are you done yeah. addressing the press? Do you have anything else you want to say? Um, so we're obviously here going to be speaking a little bit about the ages of some of our uh, elected public servants and talking about things like should age limits and should term limits be instituted. But before we get into the seriousness of that, I have to ask y'all first, what do you think was happening in this moment (laughs) to Mitch McConnell? Well, first of all, I've seen a lot of um, funny parody headlines about this. For example, I saw The Onion said he froze up at the sight of a happy black person, which was just (laughs) felt too real, felt too real. Um, What was happening? I mean, I've read a couple of articles about this and some physicians and experts have suggested he might have had a mini stroke right there in front of everybody. And... If you are so stubborn to not leave 
office in a reasonable period of time, when it's clear that you've run your course, you know, we're going to talk about Diane Feinstein in a moment. You you stick around because you're just so stubborn. And if you have a mini stroke, let's say he really did. I don't see him even going to the doctor for that because he walked back out like 10 minutes later and continued his press conference. So why bother getting a medical checkup when you're just like leaving, coming back? Oh, maybe I had a stroke. Maybe I didn't. Who cares? I don't know. He's just it seems like something very serious happened. I don't know if I buy fainting like or if he was feeling lightheaded. I, I don't know. How do yeah, you recover no. that quick? I, I don't think so. I hate to like speculate on medical issues because, you know, we're not experts. But to Andrew's point, a lot of the articles are saying he might have had a stroke or been having a stroke. I could see that. Um, the only thing that went through my mind is like kind of reminds me of, you know, like everybody knows that Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's. He's frozen up in interviews before. I don't think that that's something that Mitch McConnell suffers from, but it was like akin to some, there's no way that that wasn't some kind of like medically induced freeze is I guess what I'm getting at. And, you know, like I said, we're not doctors. So we, who are we to say what it was, but I don't think it was just like a normal run of the mill. I, I'm feeling lightheaded. Cause like, I'm sure all of us have at some point in our lives felt lightheaded. You kind of start like, wobbling a little bit there was like no movement there yeah, yeah. and you need to sit down to recover I, I, right. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I genuinely am feeling lightheaded and don't need to sit down or yeah. at least lean over hold on to something like he wasn't doing any of that yeah you know th- these are all very I think appropriate answers and you know, very, I think, sensitive given the nature of the situation. Um, I'm just going to put it out there and say, I I think all of that may have happened. All those are possibilities. I think it's also a possibility that it's some complication related to that head injury he got like a month ago. Remember, he spent like a, a month in the hospital for a concussion, which according to doctors... A concussion is not something you spend a month in the hospital for. So I think all of this is very accurate, appropriate. We'll hear from, I I think it'll come out eventually. We'll hear from medical doctors or records release or whatever. But all that being said, I think he shit himself. I think he (laughs) shit his depends on camera. Uh... That is the face of a man <laughs> who is trying with all his might to clench his butt cheeks uh, and it's not working. Man. So do you think they paid everyone off to say they smelled nothing? You smelled nothing. I mean, we know that Trump wears depends. And by the way, no no hate to anyone who wears them. Is that them. true? What do you mean we yeah. know that? I think we know it at this point. There's been enough. <laughs> okay. That there's been enough. I'm just looking for like cold fodder. hard evidence. I know. Yeah, like, I'm he wants like the New York Times. <laughs> but and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like there, right? There are going to be points in life, especially on the later end, where you might need that, and that's fine. And I think that they have like, are they not like baby diapers, and that they have like a barrier, like a shield barrier for smell. So yeah, if you like catch like, it quick enough, I, like yeah, if maybe he went, you have a point. yeah, like if they took him mm-hmm. straight to the Senate bathroom <laughs> or whatever, was he able to like get cleaned up and then come back out? 
Right. Put him on the shit his pants. Baby changing station. (laughs) Flip out the diaper really quick. We're going to have to get an AI art of that now. Mitch McConnell on a baby changing station. (laughs) Looking like the withered Voldemort (laughs) on platform nine and three quarters. (laughs) And here's the thing. I don't feel bad making fun of him because he is genuinely a reprehensible human being. And if this kind of stuff is the worst thing that somebody can do to him is make fun of him for his episode, then that is, you know far and above less consequential than anything he's ever done during his Senate career. So I I don't care. I agree. (laughs) He's a unique case, him and Trump. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I thought we could talk about some of our other oldest sitting Congress people while we're on the topic. Um, This is by no no means um, an extensive list because there are many more that I'm about to name, but these are some of the, I think, most well-known names. So, of course, we have Mitch McConnell, who is 81. We have Dianne Feinstein, who is 90. Chuck Grassley, who's 89, I believe we actually made Chuck Grassley famous on this show when we were mocking his Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Nancy Pelosi, who's 83. There's Maxine Waters, who's 84. Bernie Sanders is 81. And Mitt Romney is 76, which genuinely surprised me. That I did surprises not, me, too. I did not think he was that old. I'll just say it. He still got it at 76. Well done. Yeah. Mitt. I don't know what yeah. you're doing, but well done. Well done, Mittens. And I just wanted to call out a couple of honorable mentions because they are, you know, running to be uh, commander in chief in 2024. But Biden is 80 and Trump is 77. So either way, whichever one of them wins in 2024 will again be the oldest president in American history. Also wanted to call out that the average age of the 118th Congress, this Congress, the House and the Senate, average age is 58. That's over the hill. Yes. <laughs> like, what's the average age of the American public? Does anyone know off the top of their head? I don't know, but I can Google really quick. Yeah, average Google age really of quick American I'm curious. public. I know it's like it's older than we think because millennials are, you know, not having kids. And yeah, for good reason. It looks like 38 and a half median age in years, 38 and a half. Yeah. So if we even if we wanted to round up and call it 40, the average age of Congress should be within, you know, throwing range of the average age of the American public. And it's not. So I just wanted to highlight another couple of things here before we get into, I think, a little more fun. The most represented generations in Congress, again, across both chambers, are baby boomers. So our parents' generation with the silent generation, which is Mitch McConnell's generation, not far behind them. And of course, the generation with the least representation are millennials. Currently, we are between the ages of 25 and 40. We are of an age group that is more than appropriate to have more significant congressional representation than we do. And a large part of that is because we have so many of these old fucks who won't fucking retire. I think a lot of it, too, is just that, like, the millennial generation gets infantilized a lot because we're not at the same 
life stage as the generation on average before us was at our age. And that's such bullshit because the world is a different place. So it, there's no way that our reality can mirror theirs. Like we're set up to fail. We've talked about that a lot on this show, but that doesn't mean that like people our age are incapable of, you know, making change if they're given the chance on a bigger stage, like in the Senate or in the House or even in in the White House. I mean, like you can run at 35, but everybody always says like a 35 year old is never going to get elected president. It's kind of funny because on the other hand, you have all of these people who are trying to justify having older people as sitting presidents. I really think that some of these older people just don't want to let go because this is their legacy that they want to continue shaping. But what's actually happening is they're just embarrassing themselves. This is something like this could very well happen again with with Mitch. We're going to play a clip of Diane Feinstein in a moment. You know, she's had several misfires over the last few years. And there's been a lot of reporting on how she's not there anymore. And yet she hangs around and that's going to turn into their legacy. People who stuck yeah. around for too long, embarrassed themselves in front of the cameras, turned into a laughing stock, And they're going to be rem- remembered as people who just couldn't let go. Like people in power can't let go. Mark Zuckerberg, why do you put yourself through meta every day? He's on record just in the last year saying, I wake up every morning and feel like I've just been punched in the face. J.K. Rowling can't just ride off into the sunset with her billions and, and you know, not be mean and evil and terrible. Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon. Like, yeah. Like, why do you got to buy Twitter? It's like you they get addicted to this power and this greed. And they just and we see it in the Senate, too, on Capitol Hill. They just they can't let go. They want to hold on to that power and relevancy, I guess. And it's it's so interesting, too. I think we could have a whole discussion about the correlation between this and a lot of other things paired with the 24-hour news cycle because Congress didn't always used to look like this. We didn't used to have so many sitting Congress people who were over the age of 80. So a lot of these silent generation folks who got in there have been there for a really long time And depending on who you talk to, of course, it's a matter of opinion. um, Some of these people have legacies to be proud of. But to your point, Andrew, they're tarnishing those legacies by hanging around when they're clearly not in a mental place to be able to do this job anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just feels like we are in such this culture of polarization and sports team mentality that people are afraid to let go of that power because it's not just about having the, 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 I guess, the title of being a senator or being a congressperson, but it's about the level of pull that that gives you on the national and the world stage. It almost kind of feels like we're going to have to put a limit on how many terms you can serve before these people let go mm-hmm. of those spots. Yeah. I'd be in favor of that. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, I want to chat briefly about a quick list that I've put together um, of things that are actually younger, things that came after 
these um, 80 plus year old politicians that we're talking about. Um, so the first one, San Francisco 49ers, um, they were formed in 1946. So people like McConnell, Feinstein, Grassley, Pelosi, Waters, Sanders, really Romney is the only one that came after the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> barely. Also wanted to call out that some of these people are actually older than the atomic bombs used in the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. So that's, I think, a really great illustration of how we can look at history and feel like something happened so long ago, but then see that the corpses that were babies around the time this happened are still haunting the halls of Congress. Yeah. Uh, this one was a fun one too. Duct tape. Aww. <laughs> Duct tape was invented in 1943. Again, after some of these oldest members of our Congress were born. The dialysis machine came in 1943. Aerosol spray cans came in 1941. Notably, Nancy Pelosi was born the year before aerosol spray cans were invented. <laughs> <laughs> Just to highlight how ridiculous this is, Marvel Comics were founded in 1939. Chocolate chip cookies were invented in 1938. Diane Feinstein was born five years before the invention of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly would have thought, like, God invented chocolate chip cookies. How is that... <laughs> Only been invented in the last yeah, 100 years. Yeah, I definitely years. thought that they were around in, you know, medieval times or something <laughs> like that. Some version of them may have been. And to be honest, it could be something that white people stole from somebody else and then claimed mm. to have invented. Always possible. But the first recorded recipe of chocolate chip cookies being published anywhere was 1938. So by Mrs. Fields or Toll yep. House. <laughs> yep. It was... Um, also, the ballpoint pen and the copy machine were both invented in 1938. Again, both of these things are younger than Chuck Grassley, Diane Feinstein, Mitch McConnell, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the last one here that I want to call out, both Grassley and Feinstein are older than canned beer, which was invented in 1935. The two of them are also only a few years younger than the television, which was invented in 1927. Mm. TLDR, these people are fucking old. Maybe we should just talk about term limits now or like an age limit. Age limit feels unfair. Term limits seems like the reasonable middle ground solution. No matter how old you are, you can be elected and you can serve out your term. Maybe it's a um, 12 year term. I don't know. Something that's already it's got to be longer than like the presidential the presidency. Term. Yeah. yeah. Just because I don't know that that feels right, given how long senators have hung around for previously. I, maybe they can do some math. Like what's the average uh, length of time someone is senator? And I don't know, figure out a number that way. But there would be so much debate around it. it yeah. Could we ever decide on such such a thing in the Senate? Kind of doubtful. Yeah, well, they would have to vote to put term limits on themselves, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's, they're not. That's yeah. part of the problem. Wow. <laughs> and what would want to inspire them to do that? It's like, I don't know, some horrible accident where you actually did see Glitch McConnell shit his pants. 
like, oh, we don't want this happening to us. We don't want to be aloof and out of it at at 80 and and we don't want to be caught on camera doing this. Let's protect all of us. The thing is, too, like, is if he runs again and if there's enough time in between this and that, people are just going to forget and keep voting him in, which, like, that makes no sense to me. Like, why would you want to vote for someone that could literally keel over and die at any moment. And then what? You have to like have a new election? Do it all well, over again? No. Does it, or does that, it go to the secondary automatically? Yeah. When that happens, the state's governor gets to appoint, um, oh. appoint someone to fill out the rest of the term. That's kind of what happened here in Georgia with uh, Kelly Leffler. Um, she had been appointed to fill a vacated seat and there were only two years oh, left in the right. term. And then Warnock came in and beat her at reelection. Mm-hmm. And I think that's half the reason these people hang on. I think the parties encourage them to because they know just hold on to this seat until you die so that we have this vote. And then when the time comes, assuming that, you know, our state governor is in the same party as us, they can just appoint your replacement to serve out the rest of your term. Give us as much time as possible to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to say really quickly, like on the flip side, you know, we, we talked about like an age limit, right? I that's not uncommon, like in, in certain lines of work, right? Like I know that pilots have an age limit. They're trying to extend that because there's a shortage on pilots. I think we just talked about that. I think there's probably an age limit to like heavy machinery too, or we need to get like, you know, like the medical experts that are supposed to like examine people and say that they're sound of mind, they need to stop fucking lying when like these people are clearly not sound of mind. And I think that's the issue. That's kind of the rub, right? Because I think the right answer is I don't think any of us wants to promote ageism, right? In saying there should be a hard age limit to be able to serve in politics. I think our surprise at Mitt Romney being 76 is evidence of that. If somebody is of sound mind to complete the job they and they were elected to do the job, they should be allowed to do it. But it gets difficult when you start talking about things that should disqualify people from serving in Congress because being old as fuck is not the only problem we have right now. We have literal seditionists sitting in this Congress. We have people who helped to incite the January 6th attack on the Capitol. People who literally made it easier for the insurrectionists to get into the Capitol in the first place. And there's been nothing done to kick those people out. So it becomes an issue of, well, how do we address this if we can't even address the most basic I think, requirement of serving in politics that you can't be a traitor to the country you're serving. (laughs) Like, we can't even get that right. Well, I guess to wrap this up, we should finally play this Feinstein clip. Yeah. Um, I guess this Mm. just puts a bow on it. And basically what's happening here is she's just supposed to be voting yay or nay in this moment. But instead, she's making a case for why uh, she will be voting yay. It just seems very clear that she doesn't realize what part of the process they're in at this moment. And you can see her aides hear her aide talking to her over uh, her shoulder. 
We will now vote to report the defense appropriations bill favorably subject to amendment. The clerk will call the roll. Senator Feinstein. Um, say aye. Pardon me? Aye. Yeah. It's just supposed to be a quick uh, roll call. Boom, 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 boom. I, I would like to support a yes And she starts reading this. her remarks. Um, it provides $823 billion. That's an increase of $26 billion for the Department of Defense. And it funds priorities submitted. Yeah, just say aye. Okay, just... Aye. Thank you. Aye. We got it. Oh, boy. I mean, this is what we're going to start seeing more of as That's these so people embarrassing. are stubborn. Again, the legacy. This is how she's going to be remembered. The reporting on sticking around when you shouldn't because you're not all there anymore. Yeah. These people need to look back to our very first president and see why it's important for you to step back when you know it's time and when stepping back is the best thing that you can do for your country. Yeah. yeah. The first president understood that. <laughs> yeah. It's literally embedded into our DNA as a nation, isn't it? Should be. Unfortunately, it's one of those things where we've spoken about before RBG. There's been this reported lunch between Obama and RBG. It was in July 2013 and Obama was trying to gently nudge her to retire while he still had Democrats controlling the Senate. The midterms were coming up in 2014. Obama's concerns were actually spot on because they did lose the Senate. And when Antonin Scalia died, it was only hours later that McConnell was saying he wouldn't entertain any Supreme Court replacements until the 2016 presidential election. We know the rest. Trump ended up getting three picks, including one that could have been an Obama pick. If only RBG had stepped down sooner. So anyway, we're going to talk about aliens and the recent heat wave in a moment. But first, I just wanted to give a shout out to those who have left us reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify recently. We really appreciate those. And here is a review from a user named April. They said, I look forward to this podcast every week. I save it to listen to on my runs and often almost fall over while running because they make me laugh so hard. But it's not just (laughs) funny and entertaining. It's informative and helpful for my everyday life. They cover a wide variety of topics, and I almost always learn something new that I want to go research and apply to my own life, like the finance hacks. The only reason I would ever hesitate to recommend the podcast to someone is if you have conservative political views, the hosts are all very liberal and politics does get discussed on a regular (laughs) basis. For me, though, it's not an issue. And thank you, Andrew, Pam and Laura, for producing this podcast that brightens my week every time I listen. Thank you, April. That was very nice. Thank you, April. That was so lovely. And we admit it. This show is probably not for Republicans. They're not going to like what they hear. No, probably not. Although I will say we have on occasion heard from a more conservative minded listener and the feedback that we've gotten from those listeners is that they disagree with us on 99% of what we talk about, but they appreciate the way that we talk about it, the research that we put into it, and that we're not trying to be unfair I think we actually heard that from the father of one of our listeners who ended up listening to us. He wrote in and was like, listen, I disagree with you on everything, but I still like you. (laughs) So, yeah, 
Yeah. That's high compliments from the other <laughs> side. <laughs> One of our listeners, Parker, who I believe was on the show. He yeah, was. We had him yeah. on. He's a conservative who who listens. I got an email from him just a couple months ago, actually. He checks in from time to time, which is really nice. So yeah, we, of course, welcome conservatives to listen. But we understand if you realize millennial is not for you. Coming up, we're going to talk about recent alien revelations and my own encounter with what looks like a dragon flying through the sky. But first, a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, we know that there are no signs of life in the halls of Congress, but there may be signs of life out in space. This was heavily covered over the last week, but in case you missed it, three former military officials told Congress on Wednesday that they believe the government knows much more about UFOs, now called UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, uh, than the government has told the public about. So we're going to share some highlights from the hearing. But first, I wanted to ask y'all, um, did you know that we can't say UFOs anymore. That's not the lingo. It's UAPs now. <laughs> unidentified flying object, unidentified aerial phenomena. I mean, why do we need to change it? It just it it is a colorful phrase, unidentified aerial phenomena. I mean, that's that's beautiful. I feel like they definitely did this rebranding to make it sound less sensational. <laughs> because UFO has become yeah. such a the image that evokes in people's brains is of the tiny little green men variety. And I'm pretty sure they're just trying to get away from that. I think so too. Uh, one of the big, I think, themes to come out of this hearing is that unidentified aerial phenomena can be anything. I mean, the Chinese balloons that we were talking about that were all the rage five months ago, those are unidentified aerial phenomena. So it's a wider umbrella and I think it gives skeptics an opportunity to say, okay, just because something's a UAP does not mean that it's an alien. It could just be Andrew's drone. It could be a lot of things. Yeah. It's unidentified for now. They're looking into it. Andrew's drone is everywhere. The government is looking into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's listen to this first clip about non-human biologics. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human. And that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness, like how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Meaning a highly classified environment. Yeah. And that was so much of what happened in this hearing. Anytime um, these gentlemen were asked for specifics, it was always sort of followed with the request to meet somewhere secure and private to share those details. Um, because they allege, and you'll hear some of this throughout these other clips, that there have been and could be repercussions against them and others in their community by the U.S. government if they share too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you guys watch any of this hearing, by the way? Is this your first time hearing any of the clips? 
I saw some chatter on social media. I have not actually watched these clips. I did hear about this one. I mean, that was a very blunt assessment. We did find remains in these aircraft and they weren't human. I mean, that is pretty terrifying. That's as close as you can get to saying, yeah, we found some fucking aliens on Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, like, he didn't bear witness to any of what he's talking about. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) So that's always the fun part is it's like, I don't necessarily doubt the validity of maybe some of the things that are being said here, but without eyewitness testimony, it's, I think it's still questionable. Well, maybe all the eyewitnesses are talking in these skiffs. We just don't know. Maybe. Well, let's listen to this next one. Apparently aliens are violent, y'all. Oh, shocker. (laughs) At one point you said that there, 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 there has been harmful activity or aggressive activity. Has any of the activity, um, been aggressive, been um, hostile in your reports? Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured. And uh, <laughs> the activity... And I gotta, by, by UAPs or by, by people within the, the federal government? Both. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there has been activity <laughs> by, by alien or non, non-human technology and or beings that has caused harm to humans. Uh, I can't get into the specifics in a What's that noise he made. At least the act. Did you guys hear that noise he made? He went like. <laughs> I think I think he's been bit by one of these aliens. He's talking about. Yeah. Oh my god. He's it's it's secret invasion. He's a scroll. Yeah. <laughs> the alien wants to go into the skiff to kill the, these uh, Congress people. He witnessed. Not to be very careful here, because uh, you don't, you know, they tell you never to acknowledge tradecraft, right? So, what I personally witnessed myself and my wife was very disturbing. So, we can also listen to a bit of what UAPs look like. I thought this was one of the more interesting testimonies to come out of this. There are common characteristics to the UAPs that have been cited by different pilots. And can you describe what the convergence of descriptions is? Certainly. Uh, we were primarily seeing dark gray or black cubes inside of a clear sphere. I'm sorry, dark gray or black cubes? Yes, inside yeah. of a clear sphere where the apex or tips of the cube were touching the inside of that sphere. And that was primarily what was being reported when we were able to gain a visual tally of these objects. And that occurred over almost eight years. And as far as I know, it's still occurring. Translate that. What does that mean? What is he implying there? Aliens are square? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I think part of it is talking about the way that these UAPs are constructed and the way that they're able to move. They talked about this in the hearing, too, about UAPs moving in a way that kind of defies the laws of physics as we understand it and performs maneuvers that no man-made aircraft could. And based on the shape that's being described here... I think that's what's being driven home. Like a cube should not be able to fly. This is sounding like Minecraft. Everything's so cubey in that game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's look at this last one. We hear about if this is a threat to national security. Trigger warning. This might give people actual nightmares. Do you believe UAPs pose a potential threat to our national security? Yes. 
and here's why. The, the technology that we faced was far superior than anything that we had, and you could put that anywhere. If you, if you had one, you captured one, you reverse engineered it, you got it to work, you're talking something that can go into space, go someplace, drop down in a matter of seconds, do whatever it wants, and leave, and there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing. Well, sleep well tonight, everybody. <laughs> I know, right? Andrew, I just wanted to call out here that you predicted there would be a UFO sighting unlike any other in 2023. Yeah. Are we getting closer? Is it going to well, happen? <laughs> like Trelawney, I, I tend to be like not right on the money, but kind of close in some cases. And I feel like my prediction ended up coming true with the Chinese spy balloons. Oh, I see. <laughs> that so you're, said. You're kind of a fraud. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. I am a <laughs> podcaster tinged with fraud. <laughs> Maybe my assumption was off. Maybe it wasn't about the Chinese spy balloon this whole time. Maybe it actually was about something else. But this really has been a quite a year for aliens and animals. I mean, I can't wait to look back at the end of the year when we think about the Chinese spy balloon. This alien hearing, um, it, you're thank you for reminding us of this. I I need to really the pressure's on for next year. What am I going to predict know. next year? I think you've been right the most in terms of predictions this year so far. Um, but yeah, we'll have to look back. I think this is the third time we've talked about aliens this year. <laughs> They're just, just probably the more than more than we've talked about aliens at all in the entire history <laughs> of the show. I think that about wraps us up on aliens. But Andrew, you've been doing some stargazing as well. And I think you wanted to plug a couple of recommendations <laughs> i have so kind of a funny story i happened to be walking brooklyn a week or two ago around 9 p.m here and i'm in the desert right the big open clear skies and i had just happened to see an array of starlink satellites moving across the sky and keep in mind I've been somebody who's been playing the new Legend of Zelda game for like the past three, four months at this point. And my initial reaction was, oh, my God, it's one of the Zelda dragons because it's so long as it flies through the sky. And so I thought it was a dragon. It wasn't. However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you to the video because, like I said, it was it was nine o'clock at night. Ah, it was like a weekend night. I had. To, oh, actually, this was when Micah was visiting. and. um I had had a few beers in me. And so, you know, I wasn't high, but I was uh, imbibed. What the fuck is that? <laughs> That's wild. Look at that. That's really cool. It's a train in the sky. If I didn't know what that was, aliens. <laughs> yeah. Straight up aliens. Yeah. It's a train moving across the sky. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my God. You're like that that viral video, Double Rainbow. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Double Starlink yeah. all across the sky. I mean, there's still time for you to be that guy, but for TikTok, if you post that. So oh, I should have. Just a thought. I should, I should still do it and be like, guys, yeah, what did I can. see? I'm going to lean into the clickbait. <laughs> I have no idea what I just saw. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of people like, Actually, that's <laughs> Starlink. That's Starlink. This is clickbait, Mr. Sims. 
Anyway, uh, the reason I bring this up is because if you want to try to catch a glimpse of one of these satellite dragons, there is an app called Find Starlink. It's free and you punch in your zip code and it'll tell you the next time a starlight Starlink satellite will be flying across your area. And it also tells you if there will be good visibility or not based on how close they are to Earth, I guess, because it it, it ranks it based on how bright they're going to be. So I assume that means how close they are to Earth. And so if it says bright, if it's a clear night and it's it, it thinks you'll be able to see it, go out and wait for it. The timing was also accurate, too. It was it was within like two, three minutes of when it said it would happen. There's a live map, too, so you can see where they are. And it's fucking crazy. It, they're like on the opposite side of the Pacific and it's going to be above my house in 10 minutes. Like what? That's nuts. So definitely uh, check out that app. It's pretty cool. I know there's a lot of debate around Starlink and how many satellites we should be putting up in orbit. And I'm, I'm all for that debate. But hey, for now, seeing these up in the air is cool. It's unlike anything you've seen before. And while we're on the subject, just one bonus wreck. I've had this app called, quite simply, the Moon Tracker app. And this shows you the moon rise and set times, of course. But more importantly, it shows you where and when the moon will be rising when you're using its AR camera feature. So, like, I've liked to try and take pictures of the moon rising above a mountain. So I can just point my camera in that direction and see, oh, okay, it's going to be rising above the mountain or setting behind the mountain at this time. So if you want to try to, like, time your views of the moon rise and fall, definitely check out this app. So those are my space wrecks that I've been wanting to recommend. (laughs) Hey, space is fucking cool. And I will talk about aliens all day, every day. If we decide we want to make this like millennial alien cast, I'm all about it. (laughs) Even if, even if, and shout out to Justin, because he put this in the discord. uh, Even if, we have a congressional hearing that feels like something out of an episode of the X-Files. I still want to talk about it. So (laughs) watch this space. We're going to keep talking about aliens, but absolutely. We're just heating up, right, Andrew? (laughs) (laughs) You and your transitions, Laura. (laughs) Yes, we are just heating up, uh, but first we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the recent string of heat waves across the world. Wanted to talk about the recent heat wave happening across America. And there's, of course, been record breaking heat across the world. It's been reported. I don't think this is officially official at this point, but it's expected that July 2023 is going to be the world's hottest month on record. Pretty terrifying. We've all seen all kinds of headlines about how the heat has been impacting the world. And we wanted to talk about this today because there was a particular story that made headlines a couple of weeks ago, and it's a local story. Planes could not take off in Las Vegas due to the extreme temperatures, and one Delta flight waiting to take off had to return to the airport because the AC was not operating in the cabin for an unknown reason while they were waiting for hours on the tarmac, and several people passed out. So very dangerous, scary situation for people. I can't imagine being on that plane. Funnily enough, our own Micah Tannenbaum, Micah's flight got delayed. He flew out. He left Vegas on Delta on the same day this happened to a Delta plane. 
So he almost had like a a narrow miss with extreme heat in his plane. And um, I actually got him to record a voice memo for us. <laughs> so some folks may not be aware that we've actually transitioned the old MuggleCast news center to a travel desk. And uh, I'm reporting on my recent travel to and from Las Vegas. I think initially Andrew wanted me to give a report out on my flight back from Las Vegas. But actually I had fun going to and from Las Vegas on the outbound flight from JFK to Las Vegas. I had the pleasure of leaving the terminal, coming back to the terminal once we were already out on the taxiway. The pilots and air traffic control and the Port Authority of New York debating whether or not everybody on the plane needed to get off the plane. We did that for maybe about 15 or 20 minutes and then it was finally decided that everybody needed to get off the plane, but the bags could stay on the plane. So this would expedite our reboarding process. So we got off the plane. They brought on the canine unit. The canine unit sniffed through the plane. Everything was fine. And we left probably around an hour or so, maybe a little bit more later than we otherwise anticipated. So that was a fun getting back into the flow of travel I uh, still don't know why that happened. Now, on the way back, uh, we were delayed slightly because we were waiting for our crew to come off of another flight. That's kind of a pretty common delay. I think a lot of people experience that. But reminding everybody, I was in Las Vegas and it was really hot. It was probably the hottest it's been in quite some time. Andrew can check me on that. And I was flying out on a Monday. And this was actually the day that they were expecting record temperatures. And the runway after we had taxied out was too hot for us to take off. And my understanding is that it has to do with the consistency of the runway and the wheel potentially getting stuck or something happening along those lines. It's just not safe to take off because of how hot the runway is. So if it's, let's say, 115 degrees outside, it's probably 150 degrees on the runway. Um, thankfully for me, I had no issues with the air conditioning inside of the plane. We didn't wait all that long. It was probably about an hour delay sitting on the plane before we took off, but we didn't lose any air conditioning. It was cool the whole time. I know other people had um, a really serious incident actually with the same airline with Delta. Since by the time I got back home into my house, it was probably just after 11 p.m. Eastern time. So loads of fun traveling. Well, thank you, Micah, for that report. We appreciate it. And we're glad you didn't like explode on a plane. <laughs> and I think another reason why they had to slow down the number of planes taking off was because um, when it gets so hot, the air becomes thinner and then you don't have as, as much lift available for the plane. So I think that was a reason why, too. There's probably a bunch of factors. I've been reading up on this a little bit. Um, apparently, it can vary by the plane make and model. It can vary by the winds. Like there's all kinds of factors that come into play. So as we're seeing here, heat is going to be causing more impacts that we wouldn't have necessarily expected like simply not being able to take off uh, when you're on a plane. 
So I thought we could talk about what other types of surprises we might expect as the Earth gets warmer. And then don't worry, everybody, we're going to try to be positive by the end of this with some actionable steps we can all take to uh, reduce our impact on the environment. So Pam, I actually wanted to start with you because this has been affecting you for a while. I think it's been documented here on Millennial a little bit. What's been happening in the Bay Area as, as it's gotten warmer? PG&E, our electric company, gas and electric company, is still a shit show. So they can shut the power off whenever they want if it gets too hot. And they also have... um, Basically, there are certain hours of the day that they're trying to dissuade people from using electricity, specifically uh, when it gets too hot. And unfortunately, those are kind of like the hours when most people are home. It's from 3 to 9 p.m. They want you to reduce your use because that's usually when people use the most power. Like, okay. Um, And so basically, they say that the reason that they want you to do this is so that people are not um, over inundating the grid and there's less of a chance that we'll see rolling blackouts as a result of heat. But then also, if you do decide to use the power anyway, it'll just be like a little more expensive because there's flex pricing. That's how it works in Vegas, too, during the summer months. And the reason why it's between those hours is because that's when you're using the most air conditioning. It's the hottest part of the day. Yeah. Ours is our time frames 1 to 7 p.m. People can expect more of that with these electric companies deciding, you know what, we're just going to shut your power off. So that's awful and bullshit. Um, Laura, you brought up a example really quick. I think you had seen a story. Prisoners are dying due to heat because these prisons aren't air conditioned or well air conditioned. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not new news, right? I mean, a lot of these prisons, especially older buildings, just like we see with a lot of older buildings in this country that weren't built with AC and have had to be retrofitted, are not keeping up with climate change. So there are cases of prisoners literally baking to death in jail cells because mm, we don't care about them because they're in prison. Yeah, is really what it comes down to. It's a huge problem in Texas right now. And I know that they're also like, I think certain parts of Texas, like the workers were upset because they were cutting back on water breaks, too, and like these excruciating heat. And you think of keeping migrants cool as well. Yeah. Um. So we'll just burn through the rest of this list pretty quick, except for this one, just because I got Pat involved here. So. There's going to be changes to farming and the crops that we can farm. Uh, Pat grew up on a dairy farm, so I decided to work his feedback in. He was like, oh, why don't you just ask ChatGPT? I was like, because I want your authentic answer. (laughs) He said, the biggest factor is the lack of rain all over the country. My family went over 30 days with no rain, which for Wisconsin is rare. It made them lose an entire crop of alfalfa. Hey, (laughs) they also grow corn. Um, When I was growing up, they used to get four to five crops a year. Recent years, it is down to three to four. But this year, because of the lack of rain, it will be only three. When it does finally rain, there's a lot of flooding since the ground has dried out. It cannot absorb the surge of water, causing the ground to erode or pond up, which can then kill whole sections of a field. Imagine an entire football field planted with corn and 
then it drowns and causes a farmer to lose thousands of dollars of potential harvest. He says, finally, in addition to the lack of rain, the heat and changes in climate have caused good pest and wildlife to die out or leave areas while other more infectious pests then move in. So thanks, Pat, for that summary. Um, Mm. Other things you might not be thinking about in this one you do, but on maybe a deeper level, the global sea surface temperatures we've seen reports about this recently um, have been higher than any previous June record. Um, which may result in consequences for wildlife, fisheries, and weather patterns. Temperatures in Florida water just hit 100 degrees last week. Laura, you're going to be visiting late summer, right? Who wants to swim in that? (sighs) Yeah, I know. The Gulf of Mexico is already, in the summer months, can already sometimes feel like bathwater in terms of how warm it is. So... I can't imagine going to the beach and wanting to swim in this. It feels like just another reason to avoid Florida. (laughs) Well, hey, I'll take another reason. Sure. Other (laughs) things that can happen with increasing heat, stress on other infrastructure like roads, bridges, and train tracks, impacts on the labor workforce, productivity, schools, tourism, and by extension, local economies. Think about people not wanting to visit, let's say, Vegas or Florida, if all you hear about is how, oh my God, hot it is. It can, like Pat kind of touched on it, it could impact birds and insects and pests. The bad weather could deteriorate historical homes and monuments. It can have an adverse effect on pregnancies. There's shifts to the allergens in the air, making allergies worse. Insurance costs can potentially go up. We already see that. In areas prone to wildfires, companies are saying, we're not insuring this area anymore. Your house is just going to burn down. Yeah, we're having that issue in California right now. Nobody wants to insure um, houses out here anymore. And one of the biggest ways this is going to affect all of us in the near term, if it's not already, it's going to make a negative impact on our own mental health, the stress of coping with extreme heat. So I wanted to talk about dealing with anxiety around the heat and maybe changing our frame of mind when thinking about it and what happens if you're feeling if you're feeling a sense of fatalism, like you're like, oh, there's no hope. It's all over. First of all, we had uh, Mackenzie on a couple of weeks ago talking about (laughs) submarines and ocean life and we wanted to remind everybody that she had said, pick one thing to get really passionate about. And I really like that because we all can't take on the whole world. We can't individually fix the entire world. What we can do is get really passionate about one thing, stay focused on that, and see if you can make an impact there. Instead of trying to focus on a million different things, which is overwhelming, focus on one thing where you think you can make a difference. I also wanted to play a clip. You two had seen this, I think. Obama went on Hassan Minaj's show a couple of, actually just a month ago, and Hassan was asking him about, do you feel depressed about the state of the world? How how should we handle the situation around the environment? How do we grapple with that? And there is one moment I want to play really quick because I think it'll inspire people. We may not be able to cap temperature rise to two degrees centigrade. But here's the thing. If we work really hard, we may be able to cap it at two and a half. 
instead of three mm -hmm. or three instead of three and a half. That extra centigrade, that might mean the difference between whether Bangladesh is underwater. Right. It might make the difference as to whether, um, you know, a hundred million people have to migrate. Right. <laughs> or only a few. Right. And these incremental changes. That matter. matters. Yeah. I, I see what you It you're makes saying. a difference. Sure. And, and, and to it's be worth able, fighting for. And it's, it's worth fighting for. And you for, can't descend into nihilism and not try to save those. Yes, 100, 200, 300 million people. It matters. That's a lot of people. I agree with it. Yeah, that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a lot of people. Um, so I thought that was a good quote. It might already be too late to stop the world from warming up another two degrees Celsius. But let's continue working so it doesn't get to two and a half, to three, to four. I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes hand in hand with what Mackenzie was saying when she was on. It's not reasonable for any individual to feel like the weight of this problem rests on their shoulders. The best things that we can do as people with sort of limited finances and influence to be able to make a difference is to pick those one or two things that you're really passionate about and devote your attention there. Think about what you can do in those areas. And also, I think, Pam, you called this out. Hank Green thinks we do have reason to be optimistic because Earth has gone through population-ending events before, and this time its inhabitants, us, know there's a problem. He's actually going to be talking more about this on his TikTok in the weeks and months ahead. It looks like he he ended his uh, inspiring message on a bit of a cliffhanger to stay tuned for his ideas. So there are ideas out there. And I think one of the messages I want to give everybody today is focus on them. Focus less on the doom and gloom, even though it's hard to avoid because the media is throwing it in our faces all the time. There are solutions out there, really good ones, and ones I hope we can discuss on the show more in the months and years ahead. Carbon capture, that's a huge one, uh, but we can talk about it in the future. Um, for now, what smaller things can we do to maybe manage anxiety and know we're doing our part on an individual level too? I'm going to quote somebody else who I work with, paint your corner of the sky bluer. And by that, I mean, again, we can't individually save the world. But what can you do to paint the sky above you a little blue bluer, make an improvement? So if everybody's pitching in and working together around the world, we can actually make some improvements. Pam, you compost. In fact, you have to compost, right? Or you will? Yeah, we have to compost. Uh, this lot went into effect in California in 2022. So basically, we've all been doing this for a year. Um, they wanted to start this off earlier than when the fines could potentially kick in if you don't compost. Um, so that's going to start in uh, 2024 in California for residents. So just something to keep in mind if your uh, county or city has not forced you to start yet. But uh, composting is not anything new. I grew up in the Bay Area in a very um, hippy-dippy town. And hey, we, uh, yeah, we, uh, the grade school that I went to actually had a community garden um, and every class had a plot and they taught us about gardening and sustainability and how to compost. We had a compost bin. Um, so it, it's just something that 
has always kind of been ingrained into us as small children. Uh, But it is something to get used to when you have to do it in your own home for sure. Uh, but it's not so bad. Um, you know, and it does actually reduce waste, which is really nice. As, so if you like your recology program gives you, um, for example, the option to choose between two different size garbage cans, uh, you could probably move down to the smaller garbage can if you start composting because you won't have as much waste in there, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff is going to end up going into your uh, compost bin. For us, it's the the green yard waste bin. So anything that is going to naturally break down goes in there. I think it's a good one because it's something anybody can do. You can get a mm-hmm. little bin online for cheap that'll help you do it indoors if you want without the smell leaking out. And we all want to reduce waste. So why not mm-hmm. do that? Yeah. And I was telling Andrew and Laura, too, when we were planning this episode that if you drink coffee every morning like I do, I like pour over coffee. So I tend to have, you know, quite a bit of coffee grounds that really masks a lot of the smell, even if you're only taking out your little green compost pail, whenever it gets full or once a week, whenever trash day is like you would be surprised how um, much that really helps. It's like a natural deodorizer. So it's very rare that the compost bin in the kitchen stinks. I would also re-up your awareness of what the recycling rules are in your area. And we wanted to remind everybody that in April 2021, we had on one of our listeners, Hayden, who gave us lots of information about recycling and what you can expect when you put your recyclables in the bin. Um, I know one thing that Hayden brought up was the phrase wish cycling, meaning you throw it in the recycling bin and just hope it can get recycled. You don't you don't actually know if it is recyclable. So you throw it in hoping and let somebody else deal with it when they're watching it come down the uh, line at the recycling facility. Just refresh yourself on what can actually be recycled and what can't, because I think it's kind of stressful when you think about like, oh, should I waste my time putting this in the bin? Should I buy more of a certain type of material that is recyclable? So I feel less guilty about what I'm throwing out in the trash and I maybe can just put it in the recycling. Laura, you don't recycle at all, right? No. And it's funny because I used to. um, (laughs) But we learned from Hayden, and there's also been a lot more reporting on this in the last couple of years, that depending on where you live, even if you are diligently sorting and recycling only things that should be recycled, oftentimes it doesn't actually get recycled. That's depressing. Yeah. And I think for a long time with our age group, we were kind of conditioned growing up to think that the best thing we could do for our planet was recycle. And more and more, I think we're learning that that's not necessarily the case. Um, So I have like zero confidence at this point that things are actually, actually appropriately recycled in Georgia. So I stopped wasting my time separating things out. And I'm sure I'm going to be shamed for this. So the inbox is open. Millennialshow at (laughs) gmail.com. Let me have it. I know I'm I'm bad. (laughs) I would feel so guilty if I was putting aluminum cans in the trash like that. At least I can do. We're pretty good about recycling. I, I definitely do some wish cycling. And I think about that phrase all the time since Hayden said it on the show a couple of years ago. Um, because I know not everything is being recycled, but I do try to throw what I think is going to be away. And we do have separate bins. So it's like, why not? 
do your um recology centers do they send out like information with things that can go in there periodically because um mine does but the one that I found most helpful. And again, like it's so hard because it varies like um, area to area, like Hayden was telling us, but around the holidays early, they sent us a little notice to remind us that some gift wrapping is recyclable and some is not. (laughs) And they did it early enough so that people that are going out to buy wrapping paper would potentially choose something that is recyclable. But basically the rule of thumb was like anything that has like metallic shiny stuff in it is not recyclable, but anything else that doesn't can go into the recycling bin regardless of color. So that was like, that was helpful Yeah, that for is the helpful. family because then we knew like, okay, that's a really easy way to sort it. And it's not anything super complicated. I know I that he also touched that on online. stuff like tape. You know, yeah, tape not being so that's up. that that's a different story altogether. But it was nice that they at least try yeah. to help people in the community understand. Yeah, they definitely don't do that here. And we also don't um sorting is not required here, which is another reason yeah. why I'm suspicious of it. We just get like the county brings us a big blue recycling bin, bin and you just yeah. throw it all in there together. And I have zero confidence that it actually gets recycled. <laughs> Also, highly recommend voting in your local elections, like seriously, and being aware of what is happening at the local level, talking about painting your corner of the sky a little bluer, because those elections matter a lot. Everything starts at the local level. Even your ward, your tiny town is doing. I went to a ward meeting just one or two months ago, not on purpose. I actually accidentally stumbled upon it because it was happening nearby. And it was great to see what was happening at the local level. And bonus, they had free light bites. I had just gotten food from an overpriced food truck. And I was like, damn it, they had these delightful sandwiches right here. I could have <laughs> ate for free and been educated on what's happening in my ward. So I definitely recommend because obviously environmental issues come up at the local level too. Um, and actually, speaking of that, Laura, I mean, this this is something at the local level. Yeah, um, I was just reading about this. It's so interesting to me. Um, scientists at Purdue University have developed a cooling paint. It's also been uh, dubbed by the Guinness World of World uh, Guinness Book of World Records as the whitest paint in existence. Um, this cooling paint is shown to make surfaces up to eight degrees cooler in the middle of the day and 19 degrees cooler at night, which reduces AC needs by as much as 40%. Um, The paint is supposed to act as a reflector, bouncing 98% of the sun's rays away from surfaces it is applied to. This paint is not yet available commercially, but they are working on that. Sounds like in the next year or so, you could expect to see that available on shelves. And to add to this, I would say um, UC Berkeley has also reported that switching to white roofs in general worldwide could offset the carbon emissions of 300 million automobiles over 20 years. Because if you think about it, most roofs are dark colors, right? And dark colors absorb heat, light colors refract the heat. And if we're talking about trying to bounce back um, as many of the sun's rays as we can to help kind of passively um, 
impact climate change, this sounds like it could be the solution or a solution. I don't think there's going to be one total solution. It it is crazy that we still just by default paint roofs black. That that seems like such a bad idea in today's day and age. Um, But actually, to your point about this cooling paint, Phoenix is actually, the city of Phoenix is actually testing a coating that is designed to better reflect the sun on public roads. And Washington Post went out to uh, do a temperature comparison. The dark asphalt had an average surface temperature of about 154 degrees. This is probably just like a month ago. And the treated road had a reading of 130 degrees. Still insanely hot, but with a coating over it, that reduced the temperature by 24 degrees. That that makes a big difference. That helps reduce these heat bubbles that we're creating in these cities. So there, there's a solution that is already in action in one of the hottest cities in America. Yeah, and imagine if we started, you know, using this solution around the world and you had so much of the man-made surface area of the planet covered in this paint or in this coating, it could really make a difference. It could be the thing that makes that half a percent difference that Obama was talking about with uh, Hassan, right? Um, Something else that you can do um, is finding out if you'll be eligible for the Biden administration's home efficiency rebates. Um, The first ones are supposed to be going out later this year. um, But essentially, um, as part of the Investing in America Act, there's something like $8.5 billion that's going to be distributed to states. And your state will have an application program you'll have to go through. Um, And if you meet all of the requirements for this, you can get a rebate to do things like install better insulation, windows, and heat pumps in your home to make your home more energy efficient. So it's good for the planet, good for the environment, and good for your power bill. Department of Energy recommends finding the most optimal setting for your thermostat that you can be comfortable with. This one I feel like is a little little tough um, for the temperature challenged among us. I cannot stand being hot. And their recommendation is generally to try to keep your interior temperature not drastically different from the exterior temperature. So the recommendation they've made in previous years has been to keep your thermostat between 75 and 78 degrees. That is not happening in this house. (laughs) Oh, absolutely not. So I'm going to have to find another way. But (laughs) hold on real quick. I'll just say I am 76 during the day, 78 during peak hours and uh, 74 in the bedroom at night. With a fan on, too. How? 74 in the bedroom? 74. Oh, well, oh, this is a discussion for another time. I, I We have <laughs> oh. a cooling mattress. I, I'll uh, get into it okay. later. It's too much to explain. <laughs> Next week's rock. Everybody stay tuned. It's going to be the most expensive recommendation I've ever made on this podcast. <laughs> and also just thinking about things that you can do. Try picking one thing in your home to improve. Um, from an energy efficiency standpoint, it can be re- something really small. Um, something that we're going to be doing is actually getting our exterior doors resealed soon. Um, because after we had our place renovated a couple of years ago, they kind of 
fucked up with rehanging our doors and they didn't seal them right. So we're just going to be taking the time to go ahead and just get them resealed appropriately. So that helps with, you know, obviously um, maintaining the temperature of our home, not sort of letting all the cold air out um, and also preventing, you know, like bugs and shit from getting in. Um, So those are just some little changes that you can make around the home to help with energy efficiency and help with climate change. Yeah, all good points. And I want to close by circling back on a topic I mentioned a few minutes ago. Look for the good news, similar to uh, Mr. Rogers's uh, look for the helpers. And the reason I say this is because it is very concerning to me how the media covers stories like heat records and the heat going on any given day, especially this time of year. A little over a month ago now, there was a story, and it was not reported on a national level. Vegas set a new all-time record for the longest streak of consecutive days below 100 degrees. It's a new record of 291 days. The previous record of 290 days was set in the mid-60s. The media loves to focus on the extreme news they can add the word deadly to, but never the climate news that doesn't feed into their narrative. And case in point, I googled this 291-day streak story, and on the front page of the search results was the local Vegas outlets. I wasn't seeing any results from national publications. Then, of course, I searched for the record-setting heat stories that we've seen in the headlines the past couple of weeks here in America, and all the major media outlets, of course, are covering those. And I I have found recently that the 24-hour news networks and, and other media outlets I think in the last like five years, they realized that they can just clump all the separate heat advisories together to create one massive number. So it's like 40 million people currently under heat advisories in America. It's it's a bigger, sexier number than being like, you know, there's some people here. There's some people there. No, 40 million. And yes, it's hot. Um, This is not a climate change denial monologue I'm making right now. But the media will not tell you the good news. They'll give you the scary news just even in the headline. And then you click in and there's actually good news in the actual story. But they don't want to put that in the headline because they know you're not going to click on it. So I'm just begging listeners, because the media isn't going to do it, to look around for the good news. It is out there. One reason John Krasinski's Some Good News series that he did on YouTube early on in the pandemic took off is because people were so desperate for good news. And there needs to be more good environment news and more solutions reported. People see these stories about Vegas and Phoenix. You'd think it's over 100 degrees year round. Like, I bet there's a lot of people that think that. I'm wearing a heavy coat three, four months out of the year. It gets cold here. Yeah. I mean, all of that said, it's, you know, it is something that we should take seriously. But you also can't go through life with this doom and gloom outlook on everything. Um, because if that's the perspective, how are you going to be motivated to make any changes that might contribute just a little bit to the solution? Exactly. So with that, we should tell people what's coming up in after dark today, 
Pam, kind of on the heels of attending Taylor Swift's concert, can you tell everybody what's coming up in AD today? Because it's related. Yeah, I wanted to talk about concert etiquette. This is a topic that we've wanted to bring up for a while now. Just haven't figured out how to fit it into the main show, but we thought it would be a good little uh, lead in to After Dark to do it this week after my store recap. So we'll be chatting about that and also about artists getting things thrown at them because that's been a really big trend this summer too. So it should be a fun discussion. It's wild, the increase. Looking forward to talking about that. So that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. You can listen to it right within the Patreon app, Patreon website, or you get a special RSS feed. You can pop into most podcast apps so you can get all of our bonus audio content just like you do public regular millennial. By the way, we do also have a subscription option for Apple podcast subscribers. Just tap into the show and you will see it there. And whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Patreon, we do offer free trials and an annual discount. So definitely check it out. Time for some recommendations now. Well, you know that I'm like the resident spooky girl here on the show. So I wanted to recommend the latest season of Black Mirror on Netflix. It's been out for a little while now, but we just got around to watching it in the last couple of weeks and it was pretty good. There's some some really good episodes in the season. So check it out. I want to recommend going back to standard old school bars of soap while you <laughs> bathe. Body wash is a scam orchestrated by Big Bath. And I realized this recently when I pulled out a bar of soap. Not recently, actually. I realized this six months ago. I pulled out a bar of soap from under the counter. I was like, huh, this has been sitting here for a while. Let me just use this instead of body wash. I'm still using this bar of soap. I would have went through eight bottles of body wash by now. (laughs) This was a scam. Body wash is a scam. I know it's easier to use, but bars of soap last so much longer. And I've been on the body wash kick for so long, I had forgotten. They're also more eco-friendly because the packaging is usually cardboard. So you can recycle that and there's no outer packaging. Good tie-in. It's a good call out. Maybe I'll switch since I don't recycle. I need my body wash for my sensitive skin. So catch me out here making the environment worse. <laughs> now now I'm dying for Laura to visit me in Vegas for a week or whatever, just so I can like have her recycle. Force her to here. recycle her yeah. Diet Coke can. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll follow house rules. That's fine. Just take some of the pressure off of the, the system in, in Georgia for a week. <laughs> I also have a TV show recommendation this week. Kind of fits into the theme of Laura's. It's a little bit spooky, but it's more like, what's that? What is it? Spoopy when it's like cute, spooky. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a dark comedy. I just wanted to recommend what we do in the shadows, the TV show, which is obviously based on the movie as well, uh, which came out, I think in like 2014 or something like that. So this is also written by uh, Jermaine Clement and Taiko Itini. And it's uh, filmed in like mockumentary style and it documents the life of four vampires living in Staten Island and also like one of them has a familiar who's a human so it's just like it's so funny the fifth season just came out this month it it premiered this month and I was watching back the earlier seasons because they're all on Hulu too and I was just like crying laughing watching the show it's so good if you're a Taika Waititi fan and you haven't seen the movie or the TV series, I would highly recommend uh, checking this out if you've been sleeping on it. 
Well, thanks everybody for listening to today's episode. Make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have any feedback about Laura's recycling habits, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. If you have any feedback about Laura's recycling habits, you can follow us on social media, <laughs> Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Threads. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. <laughs> After Dark, in which we reprimand Laura for her... Re- no. Starts in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. I wish you just said, I'm ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, I'm murdering the planet. <laughs> Bye. Bye.